Amen. I'm also going to read one more paragraph because I maybe wasn't paying attention all the way what I was supposed to preach on. This is 16 through 18. Do not be deceived, my beloved brothers. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Of his own will he brought us forth by the word of truth that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. I did not get to watch John's sermon. So there may be some repeats. That's okay, right? On the way over here, <clears throat> I often listen to either a gospel or uh, indelible grace channels. And I always love it when Is He Worthy by Chris or um, uh, Chris Tomlin wrote it, but Andrew Peterson sings it, I think, the most, comes on. And we've sung it here before, and it begins this way. Do you feel the word is bro- world is broken? We do. Do you feel the shadows deepen? We do. But then, do you know that all the dark won't stop the light from getting through? Now, hold on before you say we do. Do you? We know the world is broken, for sure. We know the shadows deepen, for sure. Do you know that all the dark won't stop the light from getting through? I'm not so sure. We often feel that darkness coming closer and closer, and we get squeezed and squeezed. But do you wish you could see it all made new? You bet. I'd like to see it all made new today. What are we waiting for? So I don't know what your trials are. Where do you see the darkness pressing in, the brokenness revealed, the shadows, the creation groaning in your life? Obviously, John feels it today with with COVID, and we've all been through this the last few years. Sarah's dad passing away weighs heavy on our heart, although we are so thankful that Miss Gloria is doing better. She was not doing well. I've never met her. Pray, I don't know Pastor Wood. Pray for him. You don't know my mom, but I came and she had back surgery before COVID and now she needs it again. So she is not doing well, not doing well. I'm going to have to start going back again. It's a lot farther now so I can sit with her and be with her. So what are your trials? I don't know them. Some of you, I know some of them. Some of you know some of mine. But we all have them. It's interesting, the Council of Nicaea, which is this great uh, group of men, 318 delegates, we uh, say the Nicene Creed. We haven't said it here very often, but I'm sure we will and you will. They had 318 delegates. This is the 3rd century, 4th century, I mean. And uh, only 12 of them, so 306 of those delegates, had some torture in their lives for their faith. So they came having lost fingers and toes and being beaten and limping for their faith. So we're talking about trials today. I'm sure that uh, Pastor John uh, talked to you, of course he did, about the very beginning of this, 
uh, book of James, count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials in various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness, steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Trials and testing should lead to steadfastness. That makes you what? Perfect, complete, and lacking nothing. Trials, when you go through them and come out that way, produces wisdom and faith. Is that what we want? Wisdom and faith? And how do we get it (laughs) through these trials? It's so hard. And then he says later that if we go through all this, we will receive the crown of life. Do we consider it? joy what how do we consider the trials that we go through i would say mostly we say why or that's not fair or maybe sometimes you're getting what you deserve you brought that trial on yourself now deal with it well james wants us to think even more about this and so i'm going to start with Verses 12 through 15, the middle of these three paragraphs. I'm going to start in that one because this is about the trials. Let me remind you, blessed is the one, the man, who receives, remains steadfast under trial. For when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, and he tempts no one. Trials will happen. We've talked about this before. Um, It's very clear. I asked Ronnie to send to me while I was driving a a podcast that he had recommended. It's the Mars Hill, the rise and fall of Mars Hill. I don't know if you've heard of it. Mark Driscoll and all this has been going around lately. And there's a, every once in a while they put out a new episode. So if you're not keeping track, you don't know there's a new one. And there was one. And it's about trauma. What do we do when we especially are spiritually abused. So when a church comes in and becomes your uh, truth place and relationship place, and then the people in that church start to use that against you, and it messes with your brain and body because you are conditioned to want to trust them. And, and you know, this is all debatable and stuff, This, but, but often when these things happen, what we do is we disassociate or we pretend like there's nothing wrong, so we create some sort of fantasy world where this is okay, or we, you know, blame or ignore. <clears throat> These are all very true things, not only in church, but a lot of times in our families of origin, the way we were treated by our parents or our siblings or things that happen to us in grade school, middle school, high school, college. These things are trials that we go through, and we often don't handle them correctly because we we don't know how. We just wish it didn't happen. And in the podcast, they they do a really good job of, of talking about lamenting, noticing, seeing even if you're not fixing, that you are interested in, in what's happening with you, and that then you get help. 
And so, so lamenting is a big part of, of what we should be doing in the Christian life because we are in all these trials. And, and really a good example, a, a place that, that does this really well is, is the black church. They should be our, our models. Now, now, trials are different from temptation, right? And here uh, he says, but each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Then desire, when it has conceived, gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. Maybe the quintessential example of this might be Walter White in Breaking Bad the dark hole that you just continually go down, thinking every single thing is, is the next progression will be okay. And there are these examples, of course, these horrific examples. But when you think about what do you desire, it could be anything. You guys remember back in the day, it wasn't that long ago, the Tickle Me Elmo obsession? People went nuts over this stupid dog. Maybe you love it. I don't. I, you know what I mean. Uh, two women were arrested in Chicago for fighting over one. In New York, people ran over after delivery trucks trying to get them before they reached the shore. Someone allegedly purchased one for seven thousand one hundred dollars in Denver. And then there were all these. You know, they had these midnight uh, releases because they would come in in waves on the truck, and people would just crush Walmart. And three hundred people trampled each other because they saw toys coming out that hadn't been placed out yet. And by the end of December, a million of them were sold. So if you want to do anything to get a Tickle Me Elmo, that's what we're sort of talking about. It doesn't have to be sex, drugs, and rock and roll. What do you want? What's your desire? To be respected, noticed, to be desired, to be well thought of, famous, rich. Maybe your desire is to be unnoticed because you don't like that. Or unbothered, leave me alone. Sometimes these desires are, are good, happiness, peace relationship but if you'll do anything to get happiness or peace that can be a massive problem our temptations then they're sometimes obvious and they're sometimes sneaky but we need to notice them as well and take responsibility of them for them and own them so much of the time we blame others this got put on me this wasn't my fault. But remember, in temptations, you are in charge. You chose that thing. And so the analogy here, in, he's saying, is there is a, a birthing process of all this, you know, moms. Uh, it's going to happen. You, you don't get to stop it. But it didn't just happen. There was a first cause for this whole deal. In other words, we all have this agency, right? There are things that are around us, but we all have an agency. 
I'm, I work with authors, you know, in this publishing thing, and one woman I've been working with has a book, and, and she had this character who every single thing along the way in the plot, it was something happened to her. Like, she didn't really do much, but her lover died, and then uh, she got betrayed, and then her ex-husband had taken all the money out, so then she was on the streets, and then a guy swooped in and saved her, and I was just like, this is not interesting. When you think that everything just happens to you, you don't have agency. It's boring in a story. That's not how stories work. In stories, there is something that kicks you out, and then you have a desire that you want to fix or get through, and you have to go through things, trials, in order to get what you want. And often you realize that there's something else deeper that you wanted. The obvious and the sneaky things. But that's, that's the way movies work. And I want you to think, you're in your movie, okay? Don't just say, things just happen to me. Your trial could be your new second grade teacher or a new sibling in the house, or that you had to move, or your marriage, or that you're single, or that you're divorced, or that you got fired, or your sickness. There are all these types of trials in our lives. And Paul calls us to consider them joy. That's, that's a challenge, isn't it? So he, then he talks about two trials. The first trial is the trial of money. Yes, the trial of money. Uh, this is a testing that we all get. And he says, Let the lowly one, brother, boast in his exaltation, and let the rich in his humiliation. So, so whether you are wealthy or poor, if you're lowly, boast in your exaltation that you actually are blessed and lucky and you should be thankful for that. And if you're wealthy, boast in your humiliation, reminding yourself that you are just a person. You are not your bank account or your car or your status and things will happen to you just like they happen to anyone else. So wealth is a trial either way. The, the question is, what do we trust in? Whether we have a lot or whether we have a little, what do we trust in and what is the goal of life? To make more money? So are you poor? You know, the average income of the world is $18,000. And you know that means a lot of people make a lot less, and not a lot of people make a lot more. That's how the average works. When I was back home visiting my mom, we went to the lake, and it was wonderful, and I spent some time with her on my way back from Oklahoma. And um, I was thinking a lot about she has this beautiful house and doing really well, but we grew up really poor like I broke my arm when I was six and they didn't know how to pay for it that type of stuff I owned one pair of shoes I think I've told you this they were brown buster brown shoes 
which worked fine for school and church, but not so good for basketball. But I never really cared too much. Um, I'm not sure if I considered it joy. But I'm thankful. I'm not bitter or resentful because we had so much with each other and so much with Christ. And if that's where you are, remember, consider it joy. That you, you have so much in, in Christ and in others. And so don't let money make a fool out of you if you're poor. And just continually grab for it, grab for it, grab for it. I'm not saying you don't need it. You do. But if you're rich... That is also a trial. If you think you have it all and you want more and more and more, you have all this wealth and all this privilege and it's never enough. That is a huge problem and a massive trial. Don't let money make a fool out of you. He's just reminding you, for the sun rises with its scorching heat and it withers the grass, flower falls and its beauty perishes, so will the rich man fade away in the midst of his pursuits. And we've all heard the cliche, you just can't take it with you, and it's true, right? Cornelius Vanderbilt died in the late 18th century with a hundred billion dollars. Billion! And less than a hundred years later, In 1973, he had 120 descendants, and they all got together for a family meeting, and they had no millionaires. Gave away all their wealth. Wisdom, it takes wisdom to have money. And money is a trial. God calls us to be generous and to give and to tithe, and Jesus talks about money all the time. It is on his mind, so it should be on ours. As well, we have the testing of money, but we also have this other test the test of not noticing. <laughs> this is the last paragraph, the one that isn't in your bulletin. Do not be deceived, my beloved brothers. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. This is another birthing passage. We've had, uh, had several of them. Of his own will, he brought us forth birthing again. God gives us all this. When we just only see the darkness, we're missing the beauty and the goodness of God. We are so tempted by this trial to not notice or to take credit for what we see that is good, or to disparage others for not doing well. He says that we're deceived when we do that. But every single good gift comes from God. It's perfect. Every. One of the reasons I drove back from Oklahoma is I drove back a 2010 sweet black Corvette. It is out there. Normally, a pastor wouldn't really want to show up in a black Corvette to church, but I'm not going to be here too long, I don't think. And I, 
I want you to drive it. I mean, you can drive it. It's, it's just a car. Seriously, take it around the block. You don't be a knucklehead. Maybe give me your wallet. I don't know. <laughs> but you can drive it. It's just a car. But the reason I have this car is because my dad died and he gave it to me. In fact, I had almost never ridden in that car. It was not mine. But he gave it to me. And so it's a good gift. The reason I'm driving it is terrible. I don't want to drive it. But I have to say, everything is a good gift to me. Now that is a pretty good gift. So, so what is your every good gift? Think about abilities you have or, or, or aptitudes that you have. Blessings that in your life that God has, has given you. When I was in Oklahoma, I was listening to a lot of the sports radio uh, channels, and I'm super pumped about the Sooners, as you know. And uh, Brent Venables is the new coach. And before practice every day, they said, he has this thing like, got to or get to. Do we got to go out and work hard? You know, football practice is not easy. Do we got to go out and do it? No, we get to. We get to do this. Do we got to go through trials? Yeah, but you know, you get to because they bring wisdom and faith. And that's how you get these good gifts. We often don't see them as good gifts at the time even. Sometimes it's in retrospect, you go back and go, oh, this is the Garth Brooks songs. Thank God for unanswered prayers, right? I wanted to marry her. But end up, she dumped me. That got me to her. That happened to me lots of times. <laughs> Sadly. I remember, I think I told you this, I just desperately wanted to marry Kathy Wood. I was 16, right? When we, we broke up, I was devastated. Goodness. So are we thankful for these? Are we grateful for what we have? My friend Ricky went on a mission trip. He, he grew up poor, but then he got to go to Vanderbilt. And then they went into this mission trip for actually poor, like, he couldn't believe what they were doing with this woman, this is house. And she would wake up and, or, or for lunch, she had nothing, and she would open up a can of baked beans and pray and say, God, thank you for all this and a can of beans. <laughs> he heard that prayer and he was just like, undone. All this in a can of beans, too. What a good God we have. I was listening to the On the Way on Indelible Grace. You're a good, good Father. That's who you are. That's who you are. And I am loved by you. That's who I am. That's who I am. we got to remember that. And these are things we forget. It's one reason why we come back and gather. It's like, oh yeah, I forgot that this week. God is good. He gives us good things. All this in a can of beans. He's sovereign. He's the Father of light. He's unchanging. He gives us the word of truth. He, he makes us first fruits. That's the fruit of the Spirit. We are His fruit of the Spirit. The Holy Spirit comes in us and changes us. And we are adopted by God. So we are the gifts. We become the children of God. Birth stories, right? Born again. Loved. Sung over. 
prayed over, intercessed for, nourished by God, cherished by God. And the thing about this is to connect these two trials, people who see this and know this are poor. They're poor in spirit for sure. And often it's a lot easier to be poor in spirit when you're actually poor. If you have everything you want, everything you desire, nothing is taken from you, it is very hard, very hard to see that you need Jesus. Often the very thing that we want would pull us farther and farther from the Lord. And we say, we just did, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. The temptation of the marketplace, ooh, Oscar Wilde famously said, the only way to get rid of temptation is to yield to it. Temptation as old as the garden. Temptation that these people in James's times felt with the Roman society all around them, the, the decadence, the parties, the sexual indulgence, tempted to stray from God just like we are. What do we see all around us? The power of evil and God calls us to patience forbearance endurance steadfastness gratefulness consider it joy because our identity is ultimately in Christ not how smart we are not how successful we are how wealthy we are what car we drive or don't drive all of these things are not ultimately who we are. James himself, the brother of Jesus, the half-brother, says, I'm a servant of Jesus. That's his foundation, not his credentials, not ours. And so when we go through trials, we can admit them actually to each other. We should be able to. So we can bear one another's burdens. I can't do that if I don't know what the burdens are. And when you hear someone admit a trial, you can give them compassion and kindness and steadfastness and endurance, not judging each and everything. Just last night, Julie and I went for a walk because I've been driving all day, and um, as we came in, there was this woman. She must have been 25. She was barefoot in the parking lot walking around very slowly, and she had on a, a coat, but her hands weren't showing out of it and the only thing you could see was the coat I don't know what she had underneath the coat and so you know I think to myself well I'm in Baltimore I don't know if the, how wise this is I'm sure but I went up to her and I said do you need help she said no I'm fine and I looked at her and I said you know you don't look fine you don't have shoes on. You're walking around real slow. And then she said, can you meet me somewhere? I said, no, I cannot meet you somewhere. I can take you somewhere. She said, no, I'm fine. So I left her. And I'm thinking about her today. I don't know what her story is, right? It's certainly tempting to me to construct a story 
uh, that lays a lot of blame on her. I'm not saying she doesn't deserve any. But when you encounter someone else's story like that, what are you going to do? Because we all go through them. They're different. They're similar. Jesus went through trials, didn't he? How about even being born? That was, that was a humiliation to him. He gladly did it. How about not knowing stuff? The, the, the person that created the universe. Tempted by Satan for us. Going through trials with all the people that misunderstood him, misheard him, hated him, reviled him, and eventually crucified him. The, the humiliation the trial of death of our Savior for you. And in that, I want to make sure that you definitely hear that He takes your failures. There is no way you will stand up perfectly under every trial. I cannot fathom that you can do that perfectly. It's impossible. So there are going to be times in your life going forward, you can think back in the past where you come into a trial and you're like, I hate this, okay. Or I hate God, okay. There are going to be things that you're going to think and, and say. You are going to face temptation and fail. Like today, I am tempted to speak ill of this person. Boosh, happens. I am tempted to shirk a responsibility. Boosh, it happens, right? I am tempted to... Get mad at the person next to me. Okay, I'm trying not to do that, remember? But God takes even our, our failures upon himself. And that's the beauty of this cross. It's that substitution, right? He takes our failures and he gives you his steadfastness, his faithfulness, his endurance. That's the grace of all this. And so you are the first fruit, right? You now are secure in Christ. You are rich in Christ. You are anchored in Christ, loved by Christ, known by Christ, resting in Christ. And you know how he's going to give you the crown of life? You are the crown. He got that bloody, thorny crown put on him so he can give you, you're not just a child, you're not even just a bride. You're a king and a queen with him. Crown. A prince. A princess. Regal. A priest speaking out into the world. So we got to hold on to that in our trials, right? Rich or poor. When we face temptation, we say, I am weak but you are strong. And ultimately, we could give in to 